I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Babies, hi boys. Oh, what's hi. up? Hi boys. Hello, hey, baby uh, boys. The internet what's is up? incredible because it sounds like we're just sitting beside each other in the in the studio. Nope, we're fucking not. Uh, oh, sounds, I'm, I'm here. Sounds Hel- I'm here, in my home in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Taylor, you're at your apartment in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Brian, you're in a van down by a river out in Chelsea, Quebec. Damn, <laughs> yeah. Just Dude, cozy here. I Back gotta to say, predator ways. You've got a pretty oh. sweet little setup. Uh, I, I love it. I, honestly, it makes me really happy. Um, I just have to turn off my space heater because I feel like it might be bleeding into the background a little bit. All right. Well, we're here. Oh wow, it actually was. Yeah. Now that you turn, now yeah, that you turn it off, I, know, right? I really do notice. Um, Jer, right before right before you hopped on the call, uh, it was pouring rain here, and. Um, it sounded like you might imagine it would sound like if you're sitting in a metal van with uh, the <laughs> like rain pouring down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. Sorry, like boys. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking stuffing my face with a grilled cheese here. Uh, let's get let's get down to brass tacks. We are here. It is Friday. COVID nineteen is still a very major thing. <laughs> it's and, uh, very much so. Very much so still <laughs> happening. And so uh, we are, we're here. We're going to try to inject a little bit of lightness, a little bit of levity into your lives as you, as you pass the time, as you go absolutely ape shit in your own houses. Mm. Um, who is, who's resorting to the weird <laughs> shit? Hey, who's, you know what I've been doing guys? You know what, <laughs> what I've gotten of, up like, to? What kind, like, kind of weird shit? Uh, I got so bored yesterday that I, I, I taped a, 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 a target to my ceiling and then shot it with my bidet with the with the jet stream of my <laughs> I bidet say, i want to say i think that was my jeremy, idea jeremy <laughs> all of the all of the shows that you've ever saved for being in the hospital are for now yo they're all for right now <laughs> that, no fucking doubt dude and now don't you get it don't you get what i'm talking about not really because there's like 18,000 streaming platforms with about 56,000 shows to choose from so actually yeah whatever i whatever. don't hear you on that there's there is also that many hours of quarantine still in front well, of us apparently so, according uh, to dr badish we Taylor, are you are you are you about to get negative right now we, on the we, on the Friday no. Good News Friday podcast? I'm, dude, I ne- I don't view being in isolation at least from my perspective. And I was tuned into that when we were doing our Patreon hangout last night. I said, you know what? Am I? Is it just me, or am I the only one that doesn't feel like this is that bad of a situation? I mean, I know I just returned, and I'm I'm only on my first few days of of isolation, but. You know, I got I got a PS4. I've got Netflix. I've uh, you know I've I've got you guys in the podcast. I've got my bike trainer. I mean, like I'm set for being inside. Yeah, you know what, Tay? Uh, what uh, I'm really excited for is for but, you to listen to to the conversation that we're going to throw to a little bit later in this episode, which is from Doctor <laughs> Nahid Dasani, who uh, is a good friend of ours and is a palliative care physician uh, who make specifically who specifically works with people who are experiencing homelessness. And uh, you know what? What you just said right there, Tay, is going to sit real well for when we get to that part of the conversation later. Yes, well, seeing, <laughs> seeing as I started out by saying. Personally, yeah, okay. Uh, listen, Tay, we haven't really taken it. We we haven't had much opportunity to hear from you because you were in a bit of a a fucked up scenario comparatively. Mm, indeed. Um, um, do you think it's possible for you to tell this story without taking forty five minutes to do it? Um, whoa, I can do my uh, I can do my utmost. Um, no no promises, but uh, I'll, I'll try to. 
I don't I don't think he can do it, but I'm I'm hoping that you know like when you when you first return home from a trip and like you're excited to go through all of the details of that vacation. I'm uh, never but like, like that. as the week progresses <laughs> as the week progresses, you get more and more bored with your own story, so it gets shorter and shorter and shorter. I hope I hope we're at the digestible version of Taylor's uh, story maybe. by now. We'll see. Well then, we're wait, we're fucking waiting right. for you, dude. What are you what are you waiting for? <laughs> okay, well, fine. Here, I'll kick it off. Then, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about how I can make it as digestible as possible. Um, uh, basically, basically, essentially, fundamentally, I went down to Ecuador to run a couple of yoga retreats, and uh, Kyle and I went. Um, we went down maybe four or five days before our, our the first. Um, of two groups was start was due to start and um, we spent a couple days in Quito in the in the capital and and it was on maybe the second day that we were there um, that we got in from a uh, from an excursion that we were on hiking a volcano and we heard that Trump had done had closed all air traffic to Europe and I feel like in retrospect like looking back on it all that was like I mean how did you what 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 was your guys's mindset when that news came out that he closed uh, air traffic to Europe. I mean, that was like a the pretty the first big holy shit moment for me. Well, I, I personally was worried because um, Maddie was still in Florida at the time, so I was like, oh shit, like she's really gonna have to get back before they actually close the borders to to Canada too. Like I was thinking, Europe is like step mm-hmm. one. You know what countries are gonna yeah, be next? Yeah, like it was that was in yeah. In hindsight, I I. I remember reading that and going, holy shit, that is a, that is a drastic, a drastic step. And, uh, and, and I guess now knowing what we know now, it was all obviously, um, a really quick progressive downhill spiral real quick. Yeah. Um, because then the next day, Kyle and I, Kyle and I flew to the Galapagos, um, which just for like geographical reference is off the coast of Ecuador by a thousand, a little over a thousand kilometers. So it's fucking out there. Jared, we're for everybody who's listening, which is everybody. Um, <laughs> we're on, we're on a video <laughs> chat doing this and Jared just took a big s- swig of straight Kahlua, which is the grossest thing I've ever seen <laughs> with my own hey, two eyes. Straight hey, from man. the bottle. <laughs> hey man, listen, I was sitting here listening to your story and, and, and enjoying it. But at the same time I was looking at this giant bottle of Kahlua and I was like, what does oh. that stuff taste like on its own, dude? You're gonna throw up between before the end of this episode. That's just I gonna... feel I feel great. Anyway, oh continue. God, all, that, all that dairy sitting. So then we we flew out we flew out to the Galapagos and um, and we spent uh, we spent two uh, a day there before the retreat started. And the and the and you know things things the next day were uh, were a little bit worse. You know there was a more news coming out because um, I believe at first the the travel ban. Um, from Europe to the U.S. was like select countries, and then the next day, well, it was I mean, all of dude, Europe, dude, like, the like it was, and- it even up here, it was like, it, hour by hour, it was getting yeah. crazier and crazier. Like it, it, it was evolving so fast that, um, that I, I mean, I can't imagine what it was like for you guys, but like, like there was no time to even think up here, yeah, about I mean, about what what the fuck was coming next because it was just so fast and yeah and before we knew it like you know brian and and myself up here we were like fuck dude tay's not coming home like you're 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 down like yeah you are on vacay for yeah a long time vacay vacay well, like quotations because it was a very interesting vacation for the sake for the sake of this being like a, a good news podcast like i'm just gonna switch for the for story's sake i'm gonna switch to the fact that I had a really optimistic perspective that you were going to definitely make it back. And uh, also, um, just in line with, like, keeping up on the positivity, um, can you tell us, like, how blue the water was um, around oh, dude, you there? Like, dude, was the it really nice? was fucking blue. Did you see wow. any turtles wow. and dude, stuff? the turtles were fucking huge. Actually, they, actually though, they're <laughs> we big, two, eh? We saw two turtles fucking. One was, like, 750 pounds, <laughs> And it just it just Whoa. fully fully mounts, and then and then just drops all of its weight. And all, does like, it make onto, a noise? Does it it's, does it go it's like, like it's kind of like? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
kind of like that. Dude, that is exactly what I sound like when I'm mating. Over and over again. Yeah, that's my mating call as well. I just, Man, I just press how, all how, my body weight, which is not a lot, but all of my weight down onto my mate and go... Oh, God. Oh. This, is just, this is just an eargasm for everybody listening. That's nasty. Um, hey, how dense are turtles? They're like pretty, fucking pretty dense, dense eh? Dude, I mean, physically, they're only like, they're Fuck. like, probably, so they look like they'd be as big as a human, you know, like equivalently, but they're like four or five times heavier. So anyway, so the, the blue, blue ass water, some fucking blue ass water and some Big food was really good, I imagine. Awesome. Dank, some dank ass turtles. Dank ass and, turtles. So so anyway, you're you're in paradise, but it's not so much paradise because um, it's only you and like fifteen other sweaty Canadians who are just like dying to get the fuck home, and well, everyone's dude, kind of in a, like a little bit of dude, a panic. Here's the, here's the thing: is that is that we're at this point, no one's there yet. Like no one's arrived for the re, for the retreat yet. So the next oh, morning, dude. the next morning, we wake up and. The news is, the news is that, um, that like, ev- like all countries are now, are now like adjusting air travel and like, and, mm. and, and, and all of a sudden we were thinking we were of the mindset. So we were starting a group that was going to last a week from Saturday, Saturday to Saturday. And then we were starting a second group going the following Saturday, Saturday to the Saturday after that. So we had two separate groups and we're sit we're sitting there thinking okay well maybe we have to like i wonder if it'll be if we'll have to cancel our retreat next week and <laughs> as we're having this conversation because it's crazy now in hindsight thinking like of course you have to cancel your yeah. retreat but like just just a week and a half ago that was still not clear at all and the yeah, day well, before that it wasn't even a question like why that, would we cancel it made yeah, no that's, sense that's what i mean like how rapidly things were changing it's just you know so so we're sitting there who, who and, and and all of the people on our first week are arriving to the retreat place to the hotel Bummer. and as they're trickling in the retreat owner who is a who's a Canadian um, and has lived on Galapagos for like 40 years she comes over to us and she's like Ecuador's borders are closed and we're just like what excuse me <laughs> the, the borders are closed and then it was, and then, and she's like, honestly, this is how I ended up yeah, here 40 years the borders ago. Borders closed. I never left. <laughs> there was a global pandemic and the borders were closed and I've just been and stuck then it here was, ever since. And then a few hours later, it was, the airports are closed. And then, and then the next day it was, the national parks are closed and you can't go out and do anything on the island. Now, like everything's closed. And then it was, and and now the Galapagos airports are closed, and all the flights that run from Galapagos to the mainland, all those airlines have canceled their flights, and there's no way that that you can leave the island. And now, so now all of a sudden, very very rapidly, from two days ago, thinking, oh, like I hope this doesn't disrupt our retreat. To we don't know when the fuck we're going to be able to even return home. And we're, you know, we're there with, with a group of, of, we were there with 15 Canadians and there was three Americans in our group. And, um, and, and it was just all of a sudden figuring out not only how do we get home to Canada, but how do we get off this Island to go back to the mainland of Ecuador? Were you, um, were you getting like homesick at all? Like, I know that, I know that sometimes when, when I'm traveling, um, there are like moments where you just feel like you're so far from being being able to be home like if you're in like a especially if you're in like a remote location and you just get this like feeling of like kind of long longing mm-hmm. for being home do you get that is that did you get that sense or is like, like is that super, exacerbated by the fact inten- that there's super a intensely. global pandemic like, so intensely yeah. you know and you know why because you know i mean brian you and i have been in a couple of sticky situations together and um they're and you know how optimistic of a person I am. And it's always kind of like, yeah, no problem. Like yeah. there's a solution to this. We just have to find it and then execute it. And yeah. with this, it was kind of just out of our hands. Um, and it, it felt very, um, as optimistic as I still was that things would be okay. 
it there was no there was no presentable solution so it was just it was just we're sort of at the hands of the retreat owner who you know speaks the language and she has government contacts and she's got employees that like a travel company that can you know discuss flights and everything and we just couldn't we couldn't really do anything except for except for rely on on her information so um so it was very um it was very i was very much longing for home um and uh and cuz i imagine that because i was thinking like i, I was at my first first thought when you were down there was like oh man like okay so what you get stuck there for like an extra mm-hmm. month or whatever you know is it the worst place in the world to be um but then when i talked to you for the first time and like i i could almost like tell from the sound of your voice that it was like oh it's this situation like it's that i i want to find a way home and i feel like i almost have no i have no ability to like actually try to find the solution myself and i'm kind of at yeah. the hands of but this you know other what person. jeff um jet when in our group chat with jeff he actually said something um i think it was jeff started it and you chimed in jared you said you guys said something along the lines of like listen dude it's not like you're not, not coming home to home. Yeah, you're not coming home to home. That's right. You're you're and, you're coming up to a very bizarre scenario even and, up here. And honestly, like one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons. I mean, we were in a beautiful place when we were on Galapagos. It was it was beautiful. We weren't able to really leave our hotel very much. Anywhere um, where you can watch seven hundred pound turtles fuck is <laughs> so beautiful. It was so beautiful. I mean, the, the hotel. <laughs> so we couldn't really leave the hotel except the the husband of the retreat owner. He was an avid. Uh, mountain biker and they had great mountain bikes there so he took me out on on some like awesome rides where there was like wild horses and tortoises and stuff and it and it was beautiful but at the same time the question is looming of like if we do get stuck here how long does food last there's no yeah. running there's no pot- potable um or po- is it potable or potable there's no potable running water potato um, potato there's no potable running water on the island so once that runs out, what happens? We don't have any, we don't have any, we don't have any water. Drink fucking a, drink turtle blood, dude. And the flights have stopped, so we're we're not sure we're not sure if there's going to be. And they get a lot of their most of their food flown in on planes. And then what happens if we get stuck here for a while and the food runs out? Blah blah. blah. I mean, so there's all these questions that are being asked, and eventually, eventually, yeah. it when you're there, you're thinking this is a good place to be. You know the other things are question marks, food and water, um, but it's a beautiful place. But the but it still was the fact that if we if the you know Trudeau was making his addresses and we're thinking we're starting to hear rumors of you know repatriation flights and that news is trickling in day by day. It sounds like maybe it'll happen and then it sounds like it will happen. But what countries will get it? And then Morocco got one and then. Then we started hearing rumors of Peru and thinking, okay, well, if people are getting out of Peru, then we might be next after that. And so everyone everyone in the group really started to feel like, as nice as this place <laughs> is, we got to get the fuck off get of this the fuck island. Out of here. Yeah. Because if if there's a repatriation flight, it's going to be coming out of Quito, the, the capital. They're not coming to Galapagos to get us. So um, the priority then was pretty clear that we had to get back. And, and eventually, you know, there was a whole fucking thing with flights and... Yeah, people were get, people were getting emails and going. We got an email at um, at like six o'clock. People got an email and it said um, there's a flight tomorrow, and like three people in our group got it, saying that they were that they could be on that flight. But you had to go into town and get a health check the night before, then go back to your hotel, and you weren't allowed at the airport without the health check. Whoa! And so and so, even though a few people got it. Did you have to get like uh like once you got the health check they like tattooed your wrist to identify that you Dude, had been yeah, like, um, they cut off one of your fingers and they go like, we will we will hold this this it was like this World will be our tax it, it I was wasn't like trying to do Z. an accent there but but you did. an accent did come out uh, listen did. uh Tay one of the craziest parts of that whole fucking thing was when I got a I got a text from you and you were like you literally just sent this this super cryptic text that was just like, I need you to call this number. And you just sent a number. And then you were like, her name is Angela. <laughs> Angela, like Angela, like I fucking, I don't know, like, like 
Ronaldson. Uh, you need to ask her about private flights in and out of keto. I need to know every detail possible. And I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. So I call this number. I'm like, hello. And she's like, hello, this is Angela. And I'm like, hi, Angela. Look, this is going to be really weird, but I don't know who you are, but I just got a text from my friend Taylor who's stuck in Ecuador. And she's like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. And I was like, listen, I need flights. How many flights can you get? And she was like, okay, listen, I can hook you up with three. Pri- right now, I have three private jets going into Quito and out of Quito. Okay, they're going to be leaving tomorrow night and then the night after. Okay, I have two seats available. Each seat is $9,000. And I was like, holy fuck, what? Who are you? And then she was like, so I've got three private jets, but I only have two seats left. If your friend wants them, he has to tell me within 30 minutes. I'm texting you back. I'm going, holy fuck, Tay. She's got private jets, dude. What? Like, I, dude, I felt like I was a CIA operative. I was on the fucking boots on the ground, like ready to do this shit. And then, and then, and then she's like, but listen, I also potentially might have my hands on a 80 passenger jet that could leave. And I was like, what the, f- who is this fucking woman? Like what, what, who, dude, who was she? You say that you felt like she, CIA, like she this was, was the She was stuck in keto it. too. She, and she just had a bunch of these. I, I mean, Tay, I don't want to know the details because it'll just probably ruin the story for me. But it was the <laughs> coolest thing I've ever taken part in. And also well, that, pretty crazy to text you back and be like, dude, it's a it's a nine person private jet. One hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. Divide each seat by nine. That's how much it's going to cost to get your ass on this fucking flight. I mean, th- but that's the situation that it was. I mean, like when we eventually when, just so when, hairy when, when the when the when the flight situation off of Galapagos finally happened. I mean, you we, there was a, a huge, a huge feeling of relief because you're thinking, OK, this is the first step. Like this is the one this is the first step that we've taken in a week since this mm. shit has gone down. Cause we got the news that the borders were closed on Saturday. We got on a flight off of Galapagos the following Saturday. So we were there for a week with like, couldn't do anything. Couldn't run our retreat. We're just, we're there with everybody. You know, we're doing yoga in the morning and we're doing shit. So it was a good place to be and there's good food and everything. But the, we're like, we need to get to keto and we couldn't get there until the next week. So then a week later we get on the flight and it was, I called you about that when I landed in keto because when we whoa dude sorry sorry to cut you off oh fuck no i can't do this during this episode dude what? u.s just passed china surpassed china in confirmed cases that's not good news oh that's what? bad news that's bad news <laughs> that's bad news that's bad no. news sorry guys i'm so sorry okay i'm we'll so sorry i'm we'll oh, so, so sorry no 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 no, thought, no 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 we'll come back i thought it. that wasn't gonna happen until tomorrow Oh, fuck. Okay. Tay, wrap your story up quick so we can get to the good news. Okay, so so basically, I, I, oh, no, no, I no, no, called no, no, you with no. that because when we landed in Quito, when we landed in Quito, and I got to tell you, I mean, I'll talk about a little bit of this at the very end of the story, but when we when we got in, when we got to the Galapagos airport, you got in there, you were fully checked by a doctor yeah. before you flew to mainland Ecuador. You were You were sat down. With a doc, they took your temperature, they asked you a series of questions, they checked your heart, they checked your O2 levels. Um, like it was it was fucking legit. And and then you were and then you were allowed on. You had to have a paper signed by the doctor, and then you were allowed on the flight to mainland Ecuador. And when we landed in Quito, it was like very apparent that the city situation was a lot different from the island situation. And it was straight up lockdown. You know, there's three million people that live in Quito, two and a half or three million people, and it was a total fucking ghost town. Kyla and I had been there the week previous, and it was like a crazy, crazy bustling city. And then the next week, nobody. I mean, yeah, like if you yeah. can imagine being in like New York City, yeah. you know, at, at five o'clock and there being nobody around, like Times Square empty. Like today? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's fucking crazy. And it was yeah. super. And all of a sudden, the situation felt like, felt felt very dire because mm. because you were thinking okay well now that we're in the city like how long until 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 we absolutely cannot get any more food yeah like we went to a hotel and the agreement the day before because we booked a hotel as a group um through the through the woman who owns the retreat center and the the, the and the agreement or the the setup for our booking was that you know they were there would still be we could still get meals at the hotel and we were like, Hey, great. So we don't have to go out and everything to get food and blah, 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 blah. By the time we get to the hotel, they're like, 
we can't feed you and and you can't use our kitchen because we don't want you guys using the kitchen and possibly getting the everyone sick the virus yeah. on like in the in the kitchen yeah and so and like, so what what's what so was, then the, it was uber um, eats and like then how it was many go use wait, uber eats but uber eats how much was like basically fucking closed there was like three restaurants in like an entire three million person city who could deliver you food dude jesus christ go ahead bry how many people had the virus in ecuador at the time though i think at the time it was pretty low like maybe a hundred but they got real serious real quick and now today i've been home for three days i think three days kai i think it's been about three days there's like there's over a thousand cases there now right yeah so they've jumped up 10 times in the past few days um but like also not not as um not even as bad as it is in canada currently because there's about four thousand cases in Canada. not as bad but obviously i mean like as is the case with everywhere you're assuming the cases are the you know reality is way higher than what you're seeing because the testing is still like ramping up and ramping up all over the place, uh, um, right? And and so and so then it was like we need to get the fuck out of here. So later that night, the same night that we landed in Quito, um, there was a bunch of buzz about these two flights that were um, one leaving out of Guayaquil, which is the other big city in in Ecuador that um, um, was leaving Guayaquil. And uh, a flight out of Quito the following night, and and that these were only for Americans that only Americans could could get on these flights, and they were going from Quito to Fort Lauderdale. So we we and then we heard, oh, it it actually is for Canadians. You can book it. So we called one of the airlines. <clears throat> we heard, or actually, sorry, we heard that the one in Guayaquil, which is a seven hour, seven or eight hour drive, is you can get on it. So we were like, holy fuck, we could we could buy tickets on that flight and then drive to Guayaquil with this fucking country on lockdown, which is super sketchy, and and get on that flight and go to Fort Lauderdale. So we call the airline. The airline's like, no, it's only for Americans. So we're like, fuck. So we just we forget about it. And then all of a sudden, there's this WhatsApp group that has that had like two or three hundred people in it. It was, it was a Canadian stuck in Ecuador. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, God, Yo. I, man, it is rough enough to have like 15 friends on a fucking group text mm-hmm. uh, over 300 people all just <laughs> fucking panicking to get out of a goddamn continent. Like Dude, that there was just like a, sounds a kilometer of awful. <laughs> so also like I don't I don't know about you guys, but like if I was in that group, I would probably want to like lay low to try to like get some intel. But I wouldn't be there like, hey, guys. Got got a limited seat availability on this one plane. Like all, everybody, try to jump. All on I'd it. be dropping are the dopest memes. I'd just the be dropping memes. this fucking dank ass, sickest ass, dank ass memes, <laughs> and and just rescue memes. They're all they're all memes that are like just all based off like the best action hero rescue scenes like from cast movies, castaway memes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, so we're in the uh, so we're in the hotel. And it's like, whatever it is, like 10 or 10.30. And all of a sudden, in this WhatsApp group, somebody goes, hey, yo, we're Canadians. Obviously, we're in this group. We just booked flight. We just booked tickets on a flight from Quito to Fort Lauderdale with Tame, which is one of the Ecuadorian airlines. And, and it's for tomorrow, the following day at 2.45 p.m. So I guess actually technically two days away, but the next day and at night. And, and all of a sudden, we're like, holy fuck. So we open it up. And it allows us, after we put our passport number in to get it, we run out, we tell our entire group, yo, there's this flight. Everybody needs to take out their computers right now and get and try to get a seat on this flight. Um, so everybody, everybody gets on their shit. And uh, five of us, five of our 15 get tickets on this flight. Oh, wow. And, and, and actually, uh, like a, a, a good handful of people in our group um, didn't want to um, because they were really hesitant about going through the U.S. They were they were uh. they were worried that that they might go to the U.S. and get stuck in the U.S., um, which I was more doubtful of because I just knew that the U.S. was not operating like Ecuador was. My main thing was like, as long as we get out of fucking Ecuador, we're going to be. We're gonna be good. I mean, worst case scenario, we we rent a car and drive, and drive up to Canada. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm down to do that. As long as we get out of, uh, as long as we get out of Ecuador, it's fine. So five of us get that flight. A good handful of people just didn't even, you know, they they ultimately came to the, the decision. They they wanted to just to wait for the repatriation flights because they were thinking. Are know, they still there? Are they still there now? Uh, they. What day is it today? Is it Thursday? Yeah. We're recording this. Yeah. They got home. They all got home last night. Wow. Wow. So wow, Kyla wow. and Crazy. I got home on. Uh, we got home Monday night and they got home Wednesday night. So, but that's how crazy fast it was moving because when we booked that flight, even when we got on the flight at 2 45 AM on Monday morning, right? The, they, there was no, there was nothing confirmed that there would be flights from Ecuador. The rumors were there. Officials like officials yeah. were talking about it, but there was nothing official. And then it was the next day we found out, okay, there's going to be flights on Wednesday. All of our group ended up getting flights on on Wednesday, and uh, and they all got home last night. So you end up uh, flying through Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale to Toronto, Toronto to Halifax, and we did talk about this on Twitter, but like, it was kind of fucky because you were saying how in Ecuador you land and there's like doctors there basically checking you as you land. Um, but we got temperature when- checks before and after. Before taking off and after landing on every flight in Ecuador. Yeah, and then you land in the U.S. and it's not a fucking, not even a Nothing. word of like we got t- anything. We got temperature checks. We got temperature checks two weeks before when we landed in Ecuador from when we came from Canada and before any of this craziness started. While when this thing they was checked just, your temperature once you once you landed. Yeah, the they first were checking time. temperatures in Ecuador. Then. But when you when you land in, in Fort Lauderdale, there's nothing. Dude, we land in Fort Lauderdale. We had to fill out. So when we got on the flight from Quito to Fort Lauderdale, there was health officials in the Quito airport that were coming around, temperature check, had to fill out a form for Ecuador. They also gave you a United States health form that we had to take with us and present when we got off the plane. So when we're on the descent into Fort Lauderdale, uh, whoever comes on, uh, one of the flight attendants comes on and says, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get off the plane. You're going to have to give in this form. You're going to have to fill out another health form. You're going to be health checked. You're going to have to talk to the border agent. They're going to ask you a bunch of questions. It's going to be very, but it's going to be very, like very protocol y. Right. And we get off the plane. I go, I, there's, I roll up to the border agent and they go, uh, okay. And, uh, how long will you be visiting in the United States? And I was like, what? Is that even allowed right now? I thought that that was not a thing. He's <laughs> like, I'm just he's like, like we got, we got oh. all these people getting this. We got all these people getting this virus, man. We just, we just need some more healthy people to be in here because then we'll have less ratio of people with the virus. Dude, I like, I was like, I mean, and, and especially the, the difference, like the contrast in how Ecuador was treating it. Like, I thought that it was such a given when I handed in my passport that I am, like, seeking evacuation to my home country. And he was like, oh, how long will you be in the United States for? And I was like, dude, are you fucked? I'm going home to Canada today, right now. And He's like, you here for spring break? We're in the airport. (laughs) Restaurants are open and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, you know, and I'm saying that I'm trying to figure out how much it was so heavily contrasted. So like, yeah, like from, but then, from my but then, understanding, I thought maybe the rest of the world would also be sort of, yeah. like it was in Ecuador, but it wasn't at all. But and then, then you, but then you fly to Canada, you fly to Toronto. And at, when you were flying into Toronto, I was like, well, Tay, you know, the U S they're all fucked up. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. You know, they're, they're going to be in a bunch of, they're going to be in a bunch of trouble. They're going to be, they're going to surpass China in confirmed cases like this week. And you know what? I fucking called it because it, it actually just happened. Um, and I was thinking that and I was like, well, when you get to Canada, cause like we got our shit together up here and like, we're locking it down and like fucking everything's closed and everyone's staying in their house. You land in dude. Toronto and you text and you go, dude, same fucking thing. Not, no one said a word. And I was like, no, what? nothing. What? The border agent, the yeah, border, like, we landed, we got off the plane. Um, you know, the airport was more empty than normal. Um, but now we, like, we tweeted, a, we tweeted about this and there was, there were some people that reached out and said, well, I mean, it's probably due to the fact that it's, that everyone understands that we have to be in uh, quarantine or like have mm-hmm. to be in self-isolation, which is like, 
totally v- valid point. However, everybody should know exactly. But, but like, however, <laughs> there's there for sure should be authorities there ensuring that people know what the fuck is going on. Like you know what fully, I mean? Like, like fully know. And not just yeah. like you heard, well, it's not more just so, you heard about it's, it. It's more so the fact that that like, you know, some people arriving home might think, okay, well, I didn't plan on being in 14 days of quarantine upon my arrival. So, you know, I should just stop by the grocery store and pick up yeah. some groceries or something. Yeah. But like, you can't do that. No. And like, if you, if there are people on the flights that think that, then there needs to be some type of awareness campaign or education around that or something at the airport, yeah. at least, that kind of informs them that, yeah. you know, you absolutely cannot be Dude, doing that. Dude, on my flight from Fort Lauderdale to uh, to Toronto, it was like a, there was a, like the rows were, I think it was two, three, two, three, two, um, so seven across, and there was... There was like two people on the There was like... 10 people total on the plane. Wow, what a bizarre the guy feeling. The, the guy at the airport, I had to go over and talk to somebody at the desk, and the guy in front of me asked, asked the gate agent and said, so what's going on? Did the plane come in pretty empty? And he just goes, they're all coming in empty to these days. Oh, God. Like, oh, all God. the flights come in empty, and they leave They leave oh. with a handful of people, and that's why they're canceling so many flights. That's so good. Um, so well, I, I land in Toronto, and the guy goes, and I'm talking to the border agent, and he goes, uh, and he said, he said, where... He said, where, have you, where are you coming from? And we said, Ecuador via Fort Lauderdale. And he said, okay. Um, he goes, have you seen this? And he points to a, a, a piece of paper, a flyer that's on the desk. And it says, like, you know, COVID-19 or whatever. And I go, um, is that, like, isolating information? And he goes, yep. And he goes, have you seen that? And I go, not particularly, but I've heard what's going on. And he goes, okay. And that was it. And we went on through. And uh, we transferred to Halifax in Halifax. I should say um, when you, when you left the baggage area to like exit into like the main arrivals spot, they did have, they immediately um, arrest you. (laughs) You need to go to jail. (laughs) Yeah. We, we Um, got, they locked him down. There was like three or four, there was three or four, um, uh, like Nova Scotia government people that were there at, at they had tables set up with like pamphlets and everything. And Mm. as you were leaving, you had to go past them and they were like, Hey, you're coming back into the into the province. This is what's happening. The province is under a state of emergency. If you're coming in, you have to self-isolate for 14 days. Mm. Um, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. So they gave you some information and that and then after they talked to you and like gave you some information, then they then they said and here's a pamphlet of basically everything we just said with like some additional information and like an FAQ sheet and everything and then we right. took that and we and we and we went home. Um, well, you know, I called it at the very beginning of the story. I knew it was going to take at least 40 minutes. And here we are about 40 minutes later. Uh, that was, we're Dude, glad you can't that rush, you're home. You can't, you can't rush a good story. We're, it, good story. It's, I mean, you know, I, you, you got a point there, but it's a story. It's a story. Uh, um, uh, Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this short break. your favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I feel like we've gotten a little, uh, we we did get a little heavy. You know, this we're trying to keep this light, trying to keep this like positive news Fridays. Which I'm home. We, which we will. And that's the positive news is Taylor's home. We are going to throw to an, uh, an actually, actually a quite a, you know, we might as well just throw the good news Friday thing the fuck out the window because we're, we're throwing it to a bit of a sobering conversation with uh, Nahid Dasani. But before we do, before we get to that, um, and you know what, we'll, we'll stay, let's stay in line with this. We'll stay on theme. Okay. So the theme of this, this week's good news, happy go lucky Friday episode is actually a, here's some real talk with some levity 
within it. So the real talk was Tay was trapped and now he's home. Kind of the like our podcast is all the time. Okay. And then and then yeah, sort of. And then <laughs> and then this this video, so I I'm actually gonna direct you guys to watch this video with me here. Uh, the title is Miss Bonnie. <laughs> Miss Bonnie, Woman Chicago. This gotta, is the it's the weirdest gotta, fucking title, dude. You gotta Ms. tell me when to press play. Ms. Bonnie, woman, Chicago, Southside Bonnie, twenty twenty, Bonnie, Chicago, Bonnie, hospital, Bonnie. This is literally the title of the video. Um, it is a very poorly titled <laughs> hashtag video, Bonnie, uh, but it is about this woman, and it's actually kind of sad. However, um, <laughs> kind of funny. It it's no, it's not funny. It's like it's, funny. it's like. It's it's kind of badass. So, if you're at home, um, just take a minute here to watch this video with us, or you can just listen. It's this woman in her car, and she's talking to her phone, uh, making a video. Miss Bonnie, woman Chicago, Southside Bonnie, 2020, Bonnie Chicago, Bonnie Hospital, Bonnie. That's the name of the, the episode. That's the name of the video. If you want to watch it, all right, here we go. Ready? Pre- press play now. Doing this the right way, but I just thought I'd let you all know I went to Mariano's today minding my own business and there were these women in line and I had a cart and I asked to excuse me and because she was standing so close to everybody I did this she proceeded to yell at me and tell me I was crazy uh, what was wrong with me this is not a pandemic this is a political hoax and of course <laughs> she got my Southside Polish dander up which I should have just kept on walking. And My I said, well, if Polish you're not afraid, then why don't you uh, volunteer and go to China and take care of people? Well, God damn it, why don't you, bitch? And I said, well, I would, except I have no money. Well, at that point, I had to walk away because I thought about my daughter working at hospitals, trying to save lives with this pandemic. And I thought, you know, this woman has no idea that I'm almost 75, but I'm from Chicago. And I will gladly tap her on the shoulder and ask her to step outside and proceed to kick her bleach blonde 50-year-old ass. That's all I got to say. God bless. Take care of yourself. This is a pandemic. Be careful. I love you all. Bye. Mike fucking drop. Dude, that was badass. (laughs) How how sweet is that lady? I will take your bleach blonde ass I'll ask her outside, to step outside and I will fuck you up. <laughs> it's like it's a it's halfway it, to it, uh it's halfway to uh Fargo, eh? That that video really did give me all range of emotion. It's like there's like seething rage at the woman who 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 wronged her, you know, and said that it's a political hoax. It's there's there's you the could, You could write a screenplay around there's, that. There's there's the there's the deep deep sadness of her of her getting emotional about her daughter who's like working the front lines trying to do their part. And then there's like the fucking, like when you listen to a brand new Run the Jewels track, they're like, fuck yeah! Like going Super Saiyan as she's she about to hype? say that she's about to fucking <laughs> kick the shit out of some 50-year-old woman's ass. It's very oh, funny. I love that woman. So anyway, if you want to watch that video, one more time, the title is oh Ms. God, Bonnie, Woman Chicago, Southside Bonnie 2020, Bonnie Chicago, Bonnie, Bonnie Hospital. Uh, search, I'm pretty sure if you just search <laughs> Bonnie, it'll come up. But just look for yeah, that. Definitely. Look for what I just said. Uh, that's that's what we should title this week's episode. Um, is, uh, Bonnie, 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 Bonnie. Ms. Bonnie, <laughs> Bo- Woman Chicago, Bonnie 2020, Bonnie. Uh, all right. You know what, uh, Tay, I'm really glad that you shared your story, even as <laughs> though as long as it was. Uh, because I feel like it's a really, um, it's an emotional coming home journey, and uh, and I, it's a really great contrast to the. I'm actually being serious right now. It's like a great contrast to the next part of this episode because, um, we're, when we talked to Nahid, we were talking about obviously his work that he's doing with the homeless, and like it's a, it's this kind of like sobering reminder that like there are some people who don't have mm-hmm. um, homes to come home yeah. to. And, uh, and so I do, th- I do genuinely feel like it is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a great reminder going into this part of the conversation. Thankful to be home. Um, well, let's, let's, uh, not waste any more time, um, throwing it now to our conversation with our good friend, Nahid Dasani, who's out there doing the Lord's work. Um, uh, hope you enjoy this as much as, as much as Brian and myself did.
are here. Uh, we're all somewhere. We're we're all here. We're we're, <laughs> we're here on the internet, uh, doing the best we can, and we're sitting down with our our good homie Nahid Dasani. Um, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm uh, I'm good. How are you? We're we're holding it together. You know, it's it is uh, it is by far the most bizarre time of our lifetime for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nahid, we you know we're, we're trying to inject a little bit of positivity into the world on on these Friday recordings um, surrounding the world of COVID and and this crisis that we're in. Um, but at the same time, we also want to take you know a moment to speak with. People who are working on the front lines, people who are doing really important work, um, and to shine light on maybe some of the stuff that uh, a lot of folks out there perhaps aren't quite, um, aren't really thinking about or aren't really considering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before the recording started, Brian uh, was mentioning to you how he was feeling really privileged to like be able to have this quality family time right. and, you know, and like to be able to get work done from home and, and all of this shit. Uh-huh. Um, if people aren't familiar with what, what it is that you do, we, we had you on the podcast not too long ago, but you're, you're a palliative care physician who specifically works with um, people who are experiencing homelessness. That's right. Um, and I, I take it that, this whole COVID-19 thing has like taken your work and just flipped it completely upside down. Absolutely. Uh, what, what does this look like for you right now? Like how have things changed for you in terms of a, a day-to-day work, work day? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, um, the, it's, it's shaken the whole world, but it's definitely shaken the entire homeless health world as well in thinking about um, while the, the best practices from a public health safety perspective are around social distancing and washing your hands, how can you do that when you live in a shelter? How can you do that when you live in the streets? Um, and uh, it's made providing care cl- clinically very difficult. Um, so the, the palliative care outreach program that we run, Peach, has actually had to go, on, go to a virtual mode. Um, and that's really oh, difficult wow. because a lot of the clients we serve don't actually have you know, internet access or the phone. So we're doing it through proxy of people who are out there. And if in need, we're going out and, and doing the, 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 the visits, but we don't always have the necessary personal protective equipment, PPE, to be able to do the visits. So it's been really tough on the front lines for a lot of people. I, I, I imagine just from a communication standpoint, it's, it's yeah. nearly impossible to get the message out. Like how do you, other than going and meeting these people where they are, and talking to them directly, like how else can you get the message out? Yeah, in some cases, we're connected with um, housing workers or shelter-based workers who are who are or case managers who are supporting people from the social service side. So we're able to call them and check in on them. In other cases, there's a there's a home care nurse who might be going in, and we're we're able to check in on them. But we quickly found this week that our our new requests for people to see who have urgent symptoms, like a guy with cancer living, you know, in a shelter and he's in extreme pain. Um, you know, we have we have a six consult pending as of tomorrow morning we're gonna have to get out there and we're gonna actually have to ration the visits we do based on the amount of ppe we have so that was one thing the other thing that happened was i ended up working in an assessment center um in in uh, brampton ontario in one of our regional covid19 assessment centers worked a shift there and then a few days later someone was diagnosed with covid 19 in one of our shelters in Toronto, the first in Canada. So I was tasked with working with Toronto Public Health to actually do the assessment center um, on site uh, for that re- that respite where that person was was actually diagnosed to help people out. So now we're actually directing assessments for COVID-19 towards the homeless population. Yeah, so oh, not wow. not only is it about informing them now, it's, it's like COVID-19 is very much within the community and you're trying to assess to find out who might actually have it at this point too. Yeah, for sure. Like it was theory before and now we actually have a confirmed case. And the, oh, difference, the difference again for folks who, who just to visualize things for people at home, when, when, when people are living in the shelter system, you're usually sleeping in, with, with someone who's less than one meter away from you. There's often, there's often multiple beds in one room room um you dine uh, communally you you're you bathe in in spaces that are 
are are very cramped and so hygiene is not possible and the truth is that social distancing and a lot of the best practices that work for most people out there they don't work for the disadvantage and that's why we understand that COVID-19 is likely disproportionately affecting people who are um, structurally vulnerable who are marginalized in our communities. Are there challenges with um, some of the shelters staying open during this time too? Yeah, so one of the things is um, there was a a survey by the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness and they found that only like a quarter of uh, drop-ins, respites, and shelters in Canada are ready for the, are feeling ready for the COVID-19 crisis. So you're seeing a variety of responses in different sp- in different areas. One of the common responses, actually, to promote safety, which sounds weird, is to actually reduce the hours that a place is open, actually shut down, or allow only a few like fewer people to gain entry to promote social distancing so once again even in the in in the eyes of a pandemic what we're seeing is that homeless and vulnerably housed folks or people who live in poverty are the ones who are um, getting the short end of the stick wow um i i imagine that you know this time of year too it's still very cold outside as well so there you're probably not only trying to fight the the um, virus at this point but still very much do and continue doing the same work that you were doing with um peach before COVID 19 became uh the pandemic that it is now no doubt i mean like the conversation we had recently this population has the odds stacked against them um for for people who may not be aware, the homeless population is arguably one of the sickest subpopulations in North America and the world. Um, you know, their life expectancies range from 34 to 47 years old, or homelessness cuts their lifespan by half. It's already hard with just that. Then when you think about, you know, being outside, like you mentioned, and then having to fight uh, a pandemic, an infection like that, um, the odds are stacked against them. How can you mount a defense against a pandemic like COVID-19 when the burden of poverty is so high? Yeah. Right. He, is there, is there anything that's being done? Like, you know, so this, this term flatten the curve, right? Uh, something that we've been, is like becoming so quickly injected into the, the mind of everyone across the world right now. It's such an important message. Um, and, and, you know, for the people who aren't familiar, but the, the whole idea of flattening the curve is reducing the amount of spread of COVID-19 so that the pressures of the healthcare system can can handle the amount of people that are coming in uh, who are affected by it. Um, and so, you know, we, we were kind of touching on it earlier, but that idea of washing your hands, something so simple that so many people just can can easily do from the, their, the, you know, the comfort of their home. Um, is like the number one thing that we're being told, like wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands and, and, and social distance. And that will be the thing that flattens the curve. Um, for people who don't like, for the people who are experiencing homelessness, who don't have that ability, it, are there things being done or, or considered to help with that? Like, I saw somewhere on the on the internet, and I don't know where this was, but it was like some guy who was just taking it on on taking his own out of his own time to like build these these um, portable and like uh, sort of pop up wash stations, like hand washing stations. It reminded me of like the shit you'd see at a at a big music festival, like after you come out of the the can, you know, <laughs> and and like yeah. this little sort of like a foot pump with like water that comes out and and soap and and water. Yeah. Um, is there like, is there some kind of push for, for that type of resource for, for people who are living on the streets or what's happening there? Well, at the outset, I totally agree with you, Jeremy. Um, you know, COVID-19 is highlighting the cracks in our society through which the poor are becoming poorer, the vulnerably housed are becoming more homeless, the socially isolated are getting more isolated and our incarcerated are getting sicker. Um, in terms of things that are being done, um, sort of from a creative uh, perspective, you know, we saw in California a few days ago, the governor uh, set aside $150 million to um, shelter people, which is like unprecedented. We saw in Edmonton that like a convention expo space has been uh, set aside for people to have adequate space who who don't have homes. We see in Montreal that old hospitals are being used and in Toronto and Calgary there's discussion about hotels and motels that are being used. But I'll tell you what, it's not happening fast enough. Um, Yeah. 
And there was, you know, the, the infection rate is estimated to be upwards of 56% in the homeless population. Another study from Whoa. the U.S. is showing that it's going to be two times as likely to get the infection and two to three times as likely to spread the infection as compared to those who are housed. So while, <sighs> while like, um, it's immoral that inequity exists, it also is to our, our community benefit. Like, we'll all be healthier if we address inequity, and history will definitely judge us, right? So, you know, colleagues um, across the country at different levels and different spaces and places are advocating you know uh, a group that I, I i'm really fond of and admire here in toronto the street nurses network of toronto has put out an open letter to the city of toronto requesting mm. open new shelter space quarantine spaces scaling up harm reduction services for those who have substance use disorders um, offering more drop-in programs expanding outreach managed alcohol and giving us ppe so that we can actually do the work i think one of the last reflections i'll make on this on this important point is that we wouldn't really have this problem um, if we if we chose as a society to not accept homelessness to begin with <laughs> um, right. yeah, yeah yeah and so yeah. any solutions that like support people getting housed like whether it's a convention center or a hotel or a motel hopefully it's rooted in the idea that when the pandemic's over we want to end homelessness in totality and because it because it's rooted in a human rights approach and a fundamental approach that housing is a human right what do you say this might be Sorry, go ahead, Bri. I was, I was going to say, Nahid, what do you say to people who I, find, I feel like um, times of crisis bring out the worst in people um, because people just want to protect themselves. So they want to protect themselves, their immediate family, but they, they start to tend, tend to care less about those who they might not know or those who seems like, seem like they might not fit in the same community as them. Um, what do you say to people who who during this time say, well, you know, the homeless population, although I might care about them when everything feels good to me and everything's doing well in my life. But during this time of, of a pandemic, you know, I don't I don't think that we should be supporting those people. I don't think we need to focus on them right now. We just need to focus on being OK ourselves first. What do you say to those people? You know, it's really interesting, and I'm sure you've seen this. We've seen a lot of reactions to the COVID-19 pandemic. We've seen people hoard toilet paper. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I've that, never been more. Kind of... I've never. I've never been more grateful to have a bidet at my house. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's, just throwing that out there. But that's kind of one of the things that like that led me to ask that question. It's like it brings out it. It kind of makes people go crazy a little bit, right? Yeah. And and I think. It, like supporting vulnerable populations might be the last thing on their mind when really what I'm hearing you say is that it should really be the first yeah. thing. When you talk about 56% of infection spreading within that community, like we're a global community. We're not, it's not us yeah. versus them. Yeah. We're all one and together. Totally. And what I would say to those people is like, listen, um, COVID-19 does not discriminate based on housing status. It does not discriminate based on nationality. It does not disgrace, dis, uh, discriminate based on access to health insurance or, or mm. access to a clinic or a hospital. So it, it, taking care of everybody at this time, like equity is never, it should, should always be important. And it's a, it's a morality you know, point, but um, it's never been more important than now. One, one question to that then. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here in my living room doing my part in trying to, A, um, keep myself healthy and and not contract the virus so that I can help flatten the curve, but also, you know, make sure that I don't succumb to this virus. Um, and I'm, you know, we talked about this last week about the things that you can do in your community to try to support and try to help and try to um, make things a little lighter. Um like, you know, we were talking about how it's really important to donate blood right now. Yeah. It's really important to reach out to, to, you know, maybe your grandfather who's in a home right now who can't be visited or, or what have you, you know, a whole plethora of different things. Um, so in terms of speaking about this, this more vulnerable population of, of people who are experiencing homelessness, yeah. like what can I do from my living room right now 
to help? You know, as always, you guys are bang on tapping into those those acts of kindness and inspiring people to think of creative ways in their local communities to do that. And that looks different for people, you know, depending on where you live. You know, of I know course. I know locally here in Toronto, our local food banks are really having a difficult time. And, you know, so donations of that sort are really interesting. I've heard of um, people um, locally who are volunteering to do video chats with people who are frail to do to like hang out with them and this chat like kind of like how we're chatting here that's all cool but one of the things around this specific issue is that this is not a one-week problem like it Mm. feels like a movie but like it's a long movie this is gonna this is likely gonna take weeks and months like months and months yeah yeah this is this is it this is the true this is the the whole director's cut version yeah. <laughs> of the trilogy of Lord of the Rings. Totally. Like, like we they, they were, were like hunker down yeah. cuz it's going to be a fucking while. It's going to be a marathon. It'll be that long. And so what Ooh. happens with with issues like this, so people who are on the margins um, when things are long, arduous and are marathon or they're hard is they often fall by the wayside. There is this yeah. kind of fatigue that sets in. It's called like advocacy fatigue and people just kind of stop can't fight anymore. They forget or it's it's not on top of mind. Like, you know, a lot of people asking me this week, how can I help? And I'd say, listen, come make sure you're with me in a month from now because we're going to need that help then. And a lot of this is going to be applying pressure. And that's applying pr- pressure to, to the powers that be, to politicians, to our public health agencies, to government, uh, to continue to push and, and push. We have a case here in the shelter system in Toronto. It will not take long for a second and a third to sprout up. I, ca- I cannot tell you how inspiring advocates from health providers against poverty you know the street nurses network um the shelter housing and justice network are all really applying pressure because they know that that, that they have to apply pressure now so Mm. supporting those agencies is also really important and that in those causes Mm -hmm. um (laughs) (laughs) Uh, talking about um uh these networks of of healthcare practitioners what are you guys doing to support one another because i can imagine as healthcare providers on the front lines of dealing with covid19 it's um, going to be very challenging, especially as this marathon um, goes on and gets longer and longer and longer. What are you guys doing to support one another? You know, mm. um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that it's um, people are people are struggling, man. Um, people are working long hours. Um, there's like people are upset. People are, are sad. But there is also at the same time, like I worked the assessment center associated with, with one of the hospitals here. And then I worked on the front lines of this, you know, assessment center that's supporting the homeless. And one thing that's common is there's this there is this vibe of community like there's people are just stepping up. I can't tell you how much, you know, health workers and staff and it's not like just the doctors and nurses. It's spiritual care. It's occupational therapy. It's physiotherapy. It's 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 the clerk. It's housekeeping staff there. Everyone is stepping up to meet the needs um but uh we we one thing that i'm trying to do um is i'm trying to stay positive i don't know if you guys saw my tiktok corona coronavirus greetings in a no handshake era i don't know if you saw I, that. Did, I, I did i did yeah <laughs> so i'm trying to like post positive things like that just to make people laugh and, and smile and like you know i don't know if you saw like you know um there was like the, the there was like the, the the namaste and then there's like the air fist bump and then there was the Vul- the vulcan salute <laughs> yeah yeah and that yeah. played over really well so i i mean i just like in my little corner of the world i'm trying to like make people happy and smile yeah. you see you see that there's this hashtag healthcare heroes kind of that's um that's out there and there are so many inspiring people doing incredible work man um we need we need to continue to support them and and i and i and i, I see the public caring and i want that to continue but you wonder about once the deaths start to set in because i feel like we're in the eye of the storm there will be a lot of grief on the front lines too yeah, yeah. well i want to say that you are you are my healthcare hero and, and, thank, and thank you so thank much you. for the work that you're doing. And on that note, um, uh, for for people to see the stuff that you are putting out there, um, not only for their own their own education and their own entertainment, um, but but also to to be able to have the ability to share the work that you're doing doing so that we can spread this message uh, much further and much wider than it already is. Um, where can people find you online? Where can people be be up to date with what it is you're up to? 
So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nahid D. That's N-A-H-E-E-D-D. And then on TikTok at Dr. Nahid So that's D-R dot N-A-H-E-E-D-D. It's, you hear that, everyone? It, it, no matter how old you are, you do not have a, an excuse. He's even on TikTok, folks. All right. Uh, Nahid, man, I got to say, uh, uh, time and time again, you, you, you always blow our minds. Um, we think that the work that you are doing is so, so, so fucking important. And uh, it really means the world to us that you took a bit of your, your time from your busy schedule just to sit down and, and uh, chat with us. Um, uh, please keep us updated and, and please do not stop the, the work that you do because the world needs more Nahids like you. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for having me and thanks for everything that you guys do. Thanks, dude. Take care, man. <laughs> Peace. All right, well, that was, uh, how about that? Pretty, pretty damn good stuff, eh? How about that fucking guy, dude? Honest to God, he, uh, he deserves a, a sticker. At least he deserves a, a shiny <laughs> star golden sticker. I'd probably give him. I was gonna say a, a button. I I would give him a button. A like button. Kind of like what would the buttons say? Yeah. <laughs> Reach for the stars. What would the button say? It would say health hero. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's um, a good one. Probably with a N- hashtag Nahid in front of it. Twenty twenty-two. Mister Nahid, uh, man, Toronto, uh, Eastside Toronto, twenty twenty. Nahid, Toronto, Nahid, Hospital, Nahid. Uh, <laughs> that's the, that would be that's Nahid, the that would be Nahid's video if you had one on YouTube. Such a classic throwback to er, to an earlier joke. <laughs> that should be oh, the title. Oh fuck, Miss Bonnie, come on. <laughs> What is what? Who made that title? God. Um, well, thank you, Nahid. Uh, and listen, folks. Again, if you wanna if you wanna follow along what he's doing, uh, follow him on TikTok. Follow him on Instagram. He's got like, he's he's actually out there, like, putting out some really good content and and doing a, a fantastic job of of changing the the narrative and like and and creating a, a real genuine shift in the way that we should be thinking about uh people who are experiencing homelessness Man, which is a, a very serious Guys, a, problem right now so i have a i have a confession yep. okay i downloaded tiktok the other day. there he is bright guy I, I you working probably, on your dances buddy you working I, on your working on your uh your I hip ha- syncs uh maddie and i have been practicing oh, f- um some dances fucking, every night before bed. all right whatever dude i do definitely don't want to see you and maddie dance Duo Dude, dancing on TikTok. Ain't, that, ain't nobody want to see that. Yeah, that is just that's the last we, thing I want to see. <laughs> we have not posted or, anything. It's just, just it's a fun activity for us to do together. On it. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, don't worry. I'll definitely, I'll definitely, I'll send you guys a video of me personally dancing. Listen, folks, have have a good just weekend. Um, stay positive. Stay light. Uh, don't touch your eyeballs. And uh, we love you all. And thank you for tuning in. It really means the world to us. And uh, we're gonna, Friday. We're gonna, yeah, yeah. Somewhere right <laughs> in the middle, Friday. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna come back with uh, some more. Uh, we got a great episode coming up this Monday. Uh, fantastic conversation with our friend uh, Sarah from Vancouver, um, and uh, and then uh, who knows? We might have another midweek we'll be, episode next week. I'm, but I'm sure we'll be back, the three of us. With uh, mm-hmm. you know, the world will be a completely different place by the by next Monday. So yeah, it definitely is going to be. Yep. All right, and and also, if you want to join us for our Patreon Discord hangout, um, we had a ton of fun last night. And if you become a patron, then you can join in on our on our Zoom hangouts, and uh, they're it fun was very fun. fun. Yeah, See, yeah, my, very fun. My hammock that I have in my apartment. All right, love y'all. See you on the other side. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.